Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Kyle and Aaron are both out this week, so I'm going to just be doing a little bit solo here at the beginning, going over some team news, um, just news around the league, and then we have a great interview with Justin Vibber, super fan, member of Red Fury, a great Twitter follow. He's at Justin Vibs on Twitter. Um, Just a really fun guy to follow, especially during the season, and you know, that's all I got to say. That's what this episode's going to be about. Not the longest one, but I'll try to make it worth your while. So in the last couple of weeks, the biggest team news is the preseason schedule was released and we have four matches against MLS sides in the Mobile Mini Cup. Um, four of those and then a last match against OKC Energy down in Tucson. So the first one, we get our preseason started on February 2nd down in Tucson against Minnesota United. This is a match where we'll have a real chance to make some noise, get a, get a big result to get some momentum going um, against an MLS team that has not made the playoffs in its two years, uh, regularly regarded as one of the bottom teams. So a chance for us there. After that, we come home on Thursday, February 7th. We have two 75-minute matches against Sporting Kansas City. This is going to be a great chance for Rick Schantz and the coaching staff to evaluate players. Um, You know, you're going to get a chance to see probably 18-plus players on the pitch in those 150 minutes. That's going to be at the Rising Soccer Complex. The first one will start at 6 p.m., so that's going to be a little bit early. Make sure, if you can, you're getting off work right at 5 o'clock, zooming on down to the soccer complex. You're not going to want to miss that. Then, on Saturday, February 16th, we have another home match against Real Salt Lake. This is going to be a great one against a solid MLS team. They actually made the conference semifinals last season before falling to Sporting. Um, So, a really good test for us. A big opportunity on a Saturday night to showcase the soccer complex. To, you know, at this point, our guys will be more into the preseason swing of things. So, hopefully, we can... uh, put a good showing in kind of like we did against Red Bulls last year against a very first team lineup for them because the season the MLS the MLS season starts just a couple weeks after that so that should be a real strong Real Salt Lake lineup coming into our building then the preseason rounds out um, with a couple matches back in Tucson Um, first we play Timbers down in Tucson Um, 
you know, again, Timbers will probably have a strong lineup. This is close to the MLS regular season for them. We'll probably be mixing in a lot of guys. It'll be interesting. Rick Schantz might use this to evaluate guys towards the bottom of the roster for those last few spots. And then, so that'll be that'll be Wednesday the 20th of February. And then preseason closes out down in Tucson on the 23rd against OKC Energy. And OKC is a team that played a lot stronger towards the end of last season. They had a very rough beginning, and that's why they missed the playoffs. But a good side for us. We have some history with them in the past. Um, a couple intense matchups in 2016 and 2017. So that will be a fun one, too. And it'll give the guys a confidence boost as we'll be playing against someone at our level before the season starts. Um, so that's that's the big stuff. I mean, tickets are on sale right now for the Mobile Mini Sun Cup. Uh, so you can just look up Mobile Mini Sun Cup on any web browser. Phoenix Rising has been... Uh, they have links on their website. They have links on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. So if you're interested and you don't have tickets yet, go check that out. You know, if you're a season ticket holder and you haven't managed your tickets in a while, go check out your Ticketmaster account as that will be happening very soon. The other team news, those jerseys are coming out very soon. The jersey release date is going to be this month, January 26th. That's a Friday night at the Tempe Marquee theater same as last year um and i can speak from being there last year it was a very cool event um great for season ticket holders to you know just chat with each other after a couple months off great for new fans to get to know people get to make some friendships make some connections and then the jersey reveals awesome the players had a great time with it last year and the team did a great job with it so get out there it's gonna be fun hopefully we see black and copper jerseys at least I want to see black and copper jerseys um but that's happening on January 26th and I think that's a six o'clock start um if any, if I'm wrong about that you'll see it on all the social media platforms soon enough but go check that out and then not rising news but U.S. men's national team on Saturday January 27th is going to be at University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale taking on Panama. This should be an interesting matchup. The U.S. men's national team is going to come in with a pretty young lineup. Anyone that's thinking you're going to see Kristen Pulisic, tough luck, you're not. But they're going to have a pretty strong side. They're going to be evaluating a lot of young guys. Um, and, you know, you're not going to see uh, Tim Way there either. But still, you're going to see a lot of exciting young talent against a Panama side that's also in transition. They had a very old lineup at the World Cup. A lot of those guys retired after the World Cup. Uh, so you'll be seeing some fresh faces out there. If you're curious about what Panama is going to look like going into the next Hexagon uh, World Cup qualifying cycle, this will be a good chance to get your first look at some of those new faces. So that's Saturday, January 27th at University of Phoenix Stadium. And I think that's going to be a 7 or 7.30 kickoff. Um, that's the big stuff. You know, as far as signings, we haven't had too many in the recent weeks. But one that came in on Thursday is a big one. Mustafa Dumbaya, a Sierra Leone international, um, is coming to us. And this is actually his first time playing in an American pro league. He, uh, he was born in Sierra Leone, but moved to the UK at a young age. So almost his entire pro career has been in England or Scotland. 
and the vast majority of that he was playing at uh, the League One level, so that's like the third division in England. Um, a little bit at the Championship level too when he was younger, so he has that professional pedigree. Um, he's older now; he's 31, so he's still got juice in his legs, but. He'll be a good veteran presence, especially with Drogba being gone. Um, and it just improves our depth. I don't know if he's going to be starting necessarily, but right back was one of those positions that wasn't our strongest suit. It was a position we were looking at who is going to fill that spot. And this really solidifies that right back spot. So I expect him to be starting um, Joseph Lowry at Joe and Cleats. He had some great analysis on the Rising Tactics Twitter page about Mustafa Dumbaya's game. He is an attacking fullback. He likes to dribble the ball um, pretty extensively. He will pass it off at times, um, but he has fun going up that wing, making defenders miss. And it's just going to make us so lethal on that side because I could totally see him getting up there, spurring Asante on some attacks, you know, spurring our creative midfielders, you know, maybe even playing the ball up for Adam John. So I expect him to be an integral part of our starting 11 this season, and it's a great signing. And he's played he's played for some big names in, uh, in Scotland and in England. He's played for Portsmouth for a time. He played for Coventry City for a few years. He played for, um, you know, I don't remember all the names. Uh, I want to say he played for... Oh, gosh. Dar- I think he played for Derby County for a second. Um, so, again, a wealth of pro experience. Most recently, he was in the Scottish Premier League. Um, and when his team just got relegated out of the top division, um, they released a lot of players, including Dumbaya. Um, what does this mean for us? I mean, just really exciting guy. Really exciting presence. Again, that veteran leadership that, you know, who was going to fill that gap? He's filling that gap, and that's a really great thing. So, with that being said, we are going to um, kick it to that Justin Vibber interview. Um, It's a really great interview, and then next week, the full squad will be together for, you know, a full-length episode of This Rising is One podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please give us a five-star review if possible. Um... And that's about it. Thank you. Hey, this is Dominic with the Rising is One podcast, and I'm here with a special guest. Justin, why don't you introduce yourself? What's up? My name is Justin. I've been a Phoenix Rising fan for a little bit. You probably see me on Twitter um, and in the supporter section like everybody else. Well, and where can people find you on Twitter? Because your handle isn't just at Justin. Yeah, it's uh, at Justin Vips. Um, and my name changes every now and then. Sometimes I'll do a little meme and I'll change it to, like, Zibber or whatever because people always get my last name wrong, but should be Justin Vibber most of the time and at Justin Vibs. Awesome, awesome. So we haven't had a fan on in a while, but I thought that this was a perfect time to reach out to you. Tell us about how you became such a big fan of Phoenix Rising because I'll tell the audience, as someone who's on Rising Twitter, you're like, a must-follow. You're like one of the four or five most active accounts. Oh, shoot. I appreciate that. Thank you. Of um, course. So, let's see. I got into Arizona United a little bit later in that cycle. 
Uh, actually, when they were in Peoria, I lived right next to Peoria Sports Complex, so I went to like two or three games. Um, didn't really sit in the sports section, just kind of wherever. Um, and then I interned with them actually for the street team once. And it was kind of boring, and I got a real job that paid me on the weekend, so I couldn't <laughs> do that anymore. Um, so everyone's yeah, on that I grind, man. I, like let it go. And my buddy was like, hey, uh, do you need a drug plays for a team in Phoenix? And I was like, oh, does he play for Arizona United? Because I don't know of any others. And then I found out they rebranded and all that. So we went to a game after Drogba started. I mean, I don't, I didn't, I don't really follow international soccer too much, so I really didn't know who he was. But it was incredible atmosphere, um, and seeing all the players like come up to people after the game and stuff was really cool. So kind of hooked me and been in it ever since. So probably around mid 2017, you got into it. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair, fair uh, assessment. Yeah, I think that sounds right, because on my end, like, I didn't see you on Twitter a lot until, with Rising stuff, until it felt like the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And then by the yeah. start of this season, you were, like, more active, and then during this season, it was pretty, it was pretty good stuff. Yeah, I'm sure if you look at my Twitter analytics, like, the time I've been on has been, has gone up and everything, and you probably could ask my girlfriend the same thing, she'd be a little upset, but... <laughs> Dude, I know how that feels. <laughs> We've all been there. Yes. Um, yeah, it's hard to explain that passion, but you get it. Yeah, um, I got you. So you're part of Red Fury, right? Yeah, I am. What's Red, what's Red Fury up to this season? Well, uh, really what the focus has been in this offseason has kind of been uh, making it more of a family again, because... I guess in the early days, everybody would go out for drinks, like, constantly. Everyone would do bar calls, like, be, like, it'd be, like, a family-type thing, and you'd have your barbecues and stuff, and last season, I feel like it kind of got away from that, so that's kind of been the focus from what I've heard for this season, uh, but my personal goals for Red Fury is just, like, like, yeah, more, more fun things to do together, more TIFO, um, just getting more people involved. We did really good last year with, uh, bringing a lot of people in. Um, you probably have seen uh, Danny and uh, Lucio on like some of the uh, promotional videos. Yeah. Because they're always oh, losing yeah. their mind up there. So we got some of those guys in, and I can just see more of that type of energy coming in next year. Mike, too, on the drums, and yes. Lady Chance, yeah. Yeah. Um, so were you around? You were around when they switched the name, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd vaguely, like, seen, because I remember, because I, I had followed United on Twitter, and I saw that it changed, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, but I wasn't really, I guess that didn't, like, make me want to go any more than I already had, you know? Okay. And it, was, it wasn't until I went to the game at the new stadium, and it had, like, it was, like, their own thing, I was like, oh, okay, this is a real deal. Because, you know, going to a game at a baseball stadium is completely different from going to a game in your own stadium, you know? Yes, this is correct. Yeah. But now, I feel like if I were to look at it now, I'd be I'd want to go instantly because you can see how it's almost major league in the sense, like, of the following, of the promotions, like, all the things that they do, it just feels legitimate, you know? Right. So it's um, a good time for new fans to get in. Yeah, I didn't... So I guess you weren't, like, one of the insiders in that name change process. Definitely not. Okay. Okay. Interesting. 
Uh, yeah, that the baseball stadiums is a great point. Like, so many of these baseball stadiums are popping up everywhere, and it's, I mean, not only is it just a weird experience, it's also like player safety is a, is an issue in a lot of yeah. these stadiums. I went to uh, the game we played in Tacoma against S2 this year. Okay. And I kind of like their setup because they got it where it's mostly you're playing on all the grass. I think it's grass anyways. Yeah. Um, but it like the seats end up suffering because you don't get any seats that are along a sideline. You always have like 10 or 15 feet between you and the field, even if you're right up close. So it's like, like it's a good setup for the players, but then for the fans end up suffering. So it's hard to make it work in those baseball fields. It, it's going to be interesting to see how New Mexico and El Paso do it because there are ways you can, you know, make the experience all right. Like Louisville plays in a baseball stadium at least for one more season, but they have at least a good fan experience, even if the pitch is suspect. Um, yeah. El Paso, like the stadium there, is really new. Um, it's built like about a decade ago. Really nice. I just don't know if they're going to have to scrunch the field up or anything, but I bet you that's going to be a fun match. Um, yeah. Going to Vegas, it was like that, too. Like, you know, like walking in, it almost was intimidating because like, they had all their branding up. Like You could tell they owned it. They had all their like party stuff going on. And I was like, what are we walking into right now, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, and uh, I hear that there's going to be a locomotive ride a train ride to El Paso yeah yeah um I think it leaves from somewhere Flagstaff don't Maricopa I think okay yeah yeah and that's only like a hundred bucks I think um, somebody was saying so that's not I'd take that over driving or flying and how often do you get to ride on a train you know yeah um you get to do it like the uh proper British fans I guess get drunk yeah, on a right. train <laughs> I guess if you're going from like, well, think about it. If you're going from like Brighton to Newcastle, that's probably five-hour train. Oh yeah, you're right. But yeah, that's that's really pushing it. Um, all right, let, we're getting a little off track here. Um, let's tie things into something you're quite familiar with. In addition to being a rising fan, you're also a big Columbus Crew fan. Um, that is correct. So, what are your thoughts on? Save the Crew and how it relates to MLS expansion? Well, my thoughts on Save the Crew are probably pretty obvious. I think it's the greatest thing that fans have done in the world, in major sports, like in doing anything. Like, I don't think we've ever seen the fans have that much of a control in the outcome of, uh, of anything. So the fact that they were able to raise their voices and say, hey, we're not going anywhere, they were able to get couple billionaires to look down and be like yeah we'll help you out you know like that's something that has never been done before and it almost sets out the rule book so that it can be done again and that law that Modell law you're a lawyerman so you probably have a lot of thoughts on that um but i would i would almost argue that a lot of markets that probably should be worried about their teams leaving might want to put a law like that on the books uh, even us, like Phoenix, if we keep having years like we had right now with the Cardinals and the Suns and all that, we might want to start thinking about that too. But that's all law stuff. That's another conversation. I'm just really proud of everybody there that they were able to make it work. And it's going to be a good 10, 15 years of watching that team grow from where they are now to where they will be. 
Um, yeah. Major release and MLS expansion. Uh, it does kind of screw us and everybody else over, but I don't think it's any secret that it's going to be going to 32 at some point. Right, right. It, I mean, you would think, you'd hope. I think that Don Garber understands that there are a lot more than 28 markets out there where you can put butts in seats and generate some revenue. And, like, especially when you look at a lot of the most recent expansion teams are the ones that are doing very well attendance-wise, doing very well in some cases on the pitch. You're going to have Cincinnati probably be a top five in attendance. You're going to have Atlanta United who just got in two years ago. They're just killing it, changing the game. Um, so you would think that he sees that and he sees that potential in Phoenix, but there seems to be some disconnect, and I I don't really yeah. understand. It's got to be something behind the scenes. Like uh, A lot of people think that they'd be worried about the heat or something, and I just think that's a bunch of BS. But, you know, there's got to be something going on behind the scenes, or... Maybe he just really likes St. Louis and Detroit and wants to hold Tyus along like Sacramento. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, going back to what you were saying about Save the Crew, I, it is stunning. And I'm not going to lie, I did not think that this was going to work out for the Columbus crew. I'm always a skeptic on these kinds of situations. I mean, I understand that in American sports, these owners treat the teams as businesses. Like, businesses can move to other states for whatever reason to be the most profitable. And, like, at least in American sports, that seems to be the norm. So it was stunning to actually see the fans come up and and force an ownership change. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, in I was listening to a crew podcast, and Michael Arache, one of the people who works for the Columbus Dispatch, he was in Hartford, living there when the Hartford Whalers moved out, and he said, if that happened today, with like where the internet is, because the internet is what saved the crew. Quite honestly, if that if the Hartford Whalers tried to move today, he he said that he could have expected a similar kind of outcry, and it might not have worked. So it's just like any. I mean, I mean, obviously Raiders are a different story, but any team that's going to be moving in the next five years probably has to watch out and dot their I's and cross their T's a little bit better than Anthony Precourt did. Yeah, I mean, the the Raiders are a different situation because there are Raider fans everywhere, and I, I don't think there's yeah. much local opposition. Every, I mean, Every Raiders fan I've talked to said that they will still root for the team, which is kind of weird to me. But, hey, they, if they're okay with it, I guess that's what's up. Well, that that's getting into a different conversation, but it's kind of like the concept of Raider Nation, and they've always been on the move, and they're yeah, kind of like pirates, yeah. so they're going to they're gonna go wherever they go, and people... Right, um, of course. But, uh, but, yeah, amazing stuff out of Columbus, and I think it does change the game, and, like, the first time you see this is in soccer what does that say about other mls owners that are going to try to move locations i mean so what what still concerns me is if you get a market like chicago fire or new england revolution i feel like there's going to be no local opposition and there isn't like a law like the model law in place in most states those teams could still move pretty easily i would think 
way. Should was, uh, should teams move like that? <laughs> if they're just not even getting local support? Well, I'm a firm believer. Like, I just hate relocation in general. Like, anytime someone says the Coyotes are supposed to move because we're garbage, it just makes my skin crawl. It's just disgusting. I just always feel like if you can't make it work, that just means that you're not cut out to be working in sports and you need to cut your losses, get somebody else in there who can do it. That's just me, though. So... I mean, Chicago's in a rough situation where they're suffering from decisions that they made in early MLS, and they're going to be suffering until, what, 2025? Unless they buy out their stadium contract. Um, New England is just poor ambition on um, Robert Kraft's part, and it seems like there's little rumblings that they want to change it. I guess they've done focus groups for rebrands and stadiums and stuff, but it's... People say that it's just because it's around season ticket renewal time and they're trying to get more people in. But, uh, yeah, I just think it's all on ambition of the owners and everybody can make it work in almost any market as long as they try. Yeah, I mean, an issue with both those teams is that they play way out in the suburbs. And that's actually something I've already heard about Austin Bold is that their stadium is going to be way out in the suburbs. And that's why they're really struggling with fans right now. Um, yeah, I mean, when are these owners going to figure out that putting a team like 20 plus minutes away from centers of population is just stupid? Yeah, I don't know. And it's it sounds like what's coming out of Austin with Austin Bowl, it seems like that's just trying to be an antithesis of Austin FC, where they're just trying to keep the circuit of Americas or whatever. I don't know. It's like they, they're, they're thinking it's a mouthpiece for the owner and the Circuit of America is trying to keep that land. And I don't think they're going to be doing anything in USL worth noting. And they might even fold in a couple of years. That's just my opinion. Not because I hate Austin or anything like that. Just because it just feels like they're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And which is a shame because they've, they've made some decent player signings. I think the on-field product could be compelling this season but you know yeah who even is going to show up who up who's yeah. even going to show up there with all the politics right now of course um, yeah like soccer moms with kids are going to be like oh i don't want them all around all that you know like yeah it's just a, a rough situation for them there and they're they're a good soccer market i mean they showed that they can watch soccer during the world cup so i mean hopefully they get something going but the fact that they have to settle for Anthony Precord and Andy Lognane and Dave Greeley it just sucks to have to see them get excited about that when you know they're just going to be hurt in about five years right um you know one interesting this is super off topic but I was thinking like because the the revs are just in a terrible stadium situation I was thinking it would be fun to see them play in Harvard Stadium very old stadium like near downtown near harvard university a lot of history there it seats just over thirty thousand currently i think that and it's like a, a horseshoe shape i oh, think that would be perfect. a really fun place to watch a game yeah they could make that work 100 percent, and they could add that to the game day experience you know like the whole horseshoe thing like oh yeah you're coming into our house it's a little weird but this is our house you know like mm -hmm. they can make that work yeah, and it's it's much more convenient for public transit and all that. I've I've been to Boston once before and like seen where both those places are. And Foxborough is a 
pain in the butt to get to. It would be like, it would basically be like playing in, in uh, Peoria where we used to play. So, yeah. Um, well, going back to areas of your expertise, what are your thoughts on Adam Jean, new striker from Columbus? I think that uh, USL is probably his level. Um, in Columbus, he had some goals, he had some moments, but uh, they mostly used him as a backup striker to Ola Kamara, Jesse Zardes. I don't know if he was there when Kai Kamara was there, but he'd come in at like 70th, 75th minute if nothing was going on and tried to put one in and steal a point. Uh, but then they got Patrick Mullins this year from D.C., and he ended up doing that better than Adam did. So that's why you saw Adam get loaned to um, OKC Energy. Um, so I think this is his level, and I think he's a really, like, Chris Cortez-esque type player. So if everything clicks and he can do, if he can get those poachers goals and if he can score some good goals with his feet, um, I could expect him, honestly, to put up the same numbers as Chris Cortez. Not trying to diminish the year that Chris had last year, but if I think Adam has a little bit more speed and a little bit more left in the tank. He's, I think he's a couple years younger than Chris, right? Yeah, Adam John is 27. Maybe he just turned, or is turning 28 soon. Okay. So, yeah, I think that um, that he might have a little bit more left in the tank and he could put up similar numbers to Chris. Um, I don't know if he'll beat that goal number from last year, but I think he'll be fairly close. Especially if we keep the system the same that we had it last year or similar, where that target man is going to get all the goals. Right. And so, yeah, so he really is like a target man. He looks, I, I don't have his figures in front of me, but he looks like a tall, fairly, not thin, but like not the quickest guy. He's a good player on set pieces. You know, yeah. he'll score some goals if the ball's bouncing around in the box and he's going to be in the right place at the right time. Um, what am I missing from his game? I don't know. There's it, like I was going through yesterday, just trying to see what fans felt about him, and it was kind of hit or miss for a lot of people. Like when he left, everyone was a little sad to see him go because he's a nice guy and he's got dogs and they're cute. And if he lets him pet them, or if he lets you pet them, then that's awesome. But um, as far as on the field goes, when you get that player who comes in on the seventh minute because there's no goal scored, you kind of want him to put in a goal and. More often than not, in MLS, I feel like he didn't do that, and that left it with a sour taste in people's mouth. But again, I think USL is really his level. Um, we saw him play in Sacramento for a bit, right? Um, yeah, he did. He's, I mean, he played for Sacramento in 2014 and 2016 on loan, and put in, he put in six goals in 17 appearances in 2014. Um, and then even when he was on loan last year with OKC, three goals in 10 appearances so yeah, yeah he, i mean he'll he looks primed for double digit goals at usl level yeah yeah so what i think we're getting out of him uh, on the field obviously a very chris cortez-esque type player maybe maybe he'll score some different types of goals or he'll have a different role but off the field he'll probably be one of those guys that are at all those like the cornhole games or the player signings like all those things he's probably going to be at most of those seems like that kind of guy yeah i think that's one thing that he's already made a great impression and you know from columbus to how good of a person he is 
Um, the day before that signing was announced to Phoenix, I saw his Twitter. I saw he was out at an event with crew fans in Columbus. And if you're... I have to imagine he at least had some idea that he wasn't coming back. And to still be out there with fans, to still be with the supporters when you have that knowledge, I think that just speaks volumes about what kind of a person you are. And then since he's come here, he's already done Instagram takeover. He's already done the um, the live video that blew up. Um, and you're right. I think he's going to be a big part of the team marketing and everything. Definitely. Um, well, okay. What are your expectations for Phoenix Rising this year? This is kind of wrapping things up. Well, personally, I feel like you got to build on every year prior. So, I mean, we made, made the playoffs and lost to Swope, so that was a good start. And then last year, made it all the way to the final. So I feel like they kind of set themselves up for a, a USL Cup win this year. And that's, that should be what we're all expecting. And if we're expecting anything less, then we're selling ourselves short. But, uh, yeah, I think it's USL Cup or bust. And how important do you think winning the regular season points is going to be? Because I, I feel like the last few years, the Eastern Conference has always had that USL Cup final. I mean, home and field matters so much when you get to that last game when it's two teams that have basically never seen each other. Um, do you think that's going to be our goal all season? It'll be huge, yeah. That's definitely, I think that's the goal for sure because we're probably going to be going up against Nashville because they're stacking up right now or um, Indy 11 or Louisville. In any of those three, we're going to be either going to or having them here, and I would take them here any day of the week because you got to imagine if we're playing Indy 11, we might be playing them in Lucas Oil, and they can they can get they, a lot of people They there. can fill that up for a big match. Yeah. So uh, I, I'd rather have them all here because uh, I feel like in the West anyways, we have that home field advantage more than anybody else does. Like you can go to Reno and we can steal a point. Or I mean, RGV is arguable. It's hard to play in. But for Phoenix, I think as far as fans and atmosphere and the heat and all that, it's all in our favor. And if we can bring anybody here in an important game, let's do it. Yeah, do, do you feel like who do you feel are the strongest contenders in the Western Conference to us? Um, just go for it. Uh, the strongest contenders, I feel like New Mexico is going to be that little annoying little brother. Um, they did get Kevon Freighter, and that hurts a lot of people. Kind of um, kind of stepping into that Reno role, huh? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think New Mexico is going to be very good. Kevon's going to score a lot of goals for them. Uh, but hopefully in our two matches we can get the edge on them. Um, I don't think Reno's going to be making much noise this year. That's just based on my limited knowledge of them. Um, and then OC, they brought a lot of pieces back, I believe, so they could probably come back do similar things to last year. Yeah, you know, another team, I think Sacramento could you know, if everything clicks, be a really tough team in the playoffs. Um, as far as regular season, I think they peaked last year with third place, and really that was because we kind of choked it down the stretch, but um, or second place, I should say. Um, but I mean, there aren't a lot of teams. 
One that I'd be curious about, though, is Fresno, because Fresno had a great gold differential, even though they were way out of the top eight. Super yeah, unlucky. Yeah, we played them, we had issues. Yeah, they, they quite frankly, kicked our butts both those times. We barely got the draw that first match, and then in Fresno was a disaster. For yeah. Now. And I'll be honest, I forget Fresno even exists. They hear that all the time. Uh, there is a there's a post on uh, Reddit USL Pro where they had the map of all the teams and they forgot to put Fresno on it. <laughs> I think I made a meme about uh, California teams. It was back when that like slapping the roof of the car meme was made. Oh and yeah. I forgot to put Fresno on it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. tell them they don't exist. Uh, Frank Yellow's still over there. So. Oh yeah yeah. Um, but. Do you have anything else to say? I mean, really, thank you for coming on and doing this. Yeah, of course. I'll be on anytime you need. Uh, I don't really do much other than work and uh, hang out with my boys. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on. I don't really have anything else to add other than keep doing what you're doing. All right, and again, that is Justin Vibber at Justin Vibs on Twitter. If you care about Phoenix Rising, follow this man. He is a great time on there and uh that's all i gotta say thanks oh you're too kind We'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.